This is Grant. Sit on. Yes, I'm here. Hi everyone, I'm Grant. It's my beautiful wife Sherelle who was helping Rawls lead. Um, yeah. We're going to pray for you. Yep. Cool. Awesome. Thank you, Jesus. Father, we just bless Grant this morning. Lord, we thank you for the word that he has to bring to us, God. And Father, we just pray you give us ears to hear what you are speaking this morning, Lord. You are good, you're faithful, and we love you, Jesus. And we just receive what you have. And we thank you for the gift that Grant is to us, Lord, to this community. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. 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 Uh, I feel like I need a change. That was awesome. If you if you didn't enjoy that worship, or if you found it a little bit confronting or revealing, um, I used to as well. So you'll get you'll get used to it. It's yep. Yeah. I'm going to be a little bit naughty. Am I allowed to? Um, we have another special guest here this morning. And it's my mum. <laughs> she, she said she was going to sneak in and sit up the back. And that was my plan too. When I first came here, I was going to sit up the back and just go ride my dirt bike every second week. And she didn't want any attention. But um, I just want to honour want to honour you. And I want to thank you for everything you've done for us. You're a blessing and your, 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 your authority and your, your spirit is bigger than I think you realise. You're a giant. That's, that's a praying, praying mum right there. Troy and I are here because of her and our younger brother doesn't come to church yet but sneaky sneaky bloke was um healed of cancer so the lord's on his case there's no doubt in my my mind and we're still praying for him and it's it's awesome and um there's another legend sitting beside my mum that i haven't seen for years how long have you been a christian reg 70 70 or so years (laughs) Man, you're a legend. That is so awesome. I, I recognised you as soon as I saw you. I just went, oh, wow. That's, I remember from when I was 15 seeing Reg, and he's just been a faithful server for so long. Mate, you're a champion. Um, it's, uh, it was cool to have fellow whistlers in the house as well. <laughs> so that was cool. <laughs> I, I wasn't up here on my own. Thanks, guys. <laughs> um, yeah, that was, that was just really awesome so this morning I want to talk to you about our identity and I have a question to ask you which is only small um, but I feel it's foundational to where do we go from here Um, I feel like if if we don't fully know our identity um, we'll never fulfill our destiny 
And so if we, this question that I have is foundational in knowing who you are and who you are to become. And it sounds very simple, it's very short. If you're taking notes, you won't need to because this is all you will have to remember. And that is, who are you? Who are you? Write that down, Jess. Shut your book and that's it. Because <laughs> when you go back to it, you'll be like, oh, this is going to make me think. This is going to make me think harder than I've thought before. Um, I believe that if we don't know who we are in Christ, there's no way we can we could become who we were meant to be. We can be radically saved out of a life of tragic circumstances. You can be set free in an instant. I don't doubt that at all. You can, you can be touched by the Holy Spirit and he'll blow you three rows back and you'll be set free from a life uh, of whatever it was, uh, of bondage, fear and shame. But if you, if you don't... If you're unsure in your heart, if you're unsure in your heart of hearts, if there's a slight doubt um, of who your father is uh, and what it means to be a son or a daughter in Christ, if you don't have that surety and that understanding, you may want to go out and save the world. You might want to heal the sick, feed the poor, raise the dead even. But I feel if there's something lacking in the foundation of your heart, you might do all these things. But when the trials and the storms of life come, you may be like the man who built his house on the sand and when a storm comes, it gets blown away. Excuse me. As a Christian myself for over 30 years, I feel like for most of that time, even though I knew I was saved, I knew I was loved by God, if you, I, I could, I believed everything that I read in the Bible. I, uh, I even spoke a few times. We were youth leaders, on and off. Um, I knew Jesus died on the cross for me. I knew I was saved, but there was. I still lived more like, as Brad was praying earlier on. I still lived more like an orphan than a son of our heavenly Father and a co-heir in Jesus. I still didn't know in the very foundation of my soul, what that meant. And it was confusing to me and it, it led me to a life of rebellion and returning and rebellion and returning. And I feel like the Lord showed me something in one of the most popular parables. If you've been a Christian for more than a minute and a half, you'd know the parable of the prodigal son. And I'm going to read that out of Luke 15 verse 11 or close to there so Jesus said once there was a father with two sons now that's interesting as well this story has two sons Jesus didn't have to bring the other son into it he could have just had the story about the one son but he wanted to show me something about the older brother and I think we can learn a lot from him the youngest son came to his father and said father don't you think it's time to give me the share of your estate that belongs to me. So the father went ahead and distributed among the two sons their inheritance. So he didn't just give the youngest son his. He also gave the older son. And now in, in Hebrew tradition, um, we learn from Jacob and Esau how, like how powerful a um, inheritance was from the father. They, um, Esau sold his birthright 
to his brother for a meal and it was it, it's spoken about that you could do a whole series of sermons on that but I also learned that the older son got a double portion of inheritance which I never knew before until I was um, researching this a little bit more so in their culture the older son he didn't even ask for it but he received a double portion which I found very interesting so shortly after the younger son packed up all his belongings, he, he journeyed off and we know that he soon wasted all he was given in a binge of extravagant and reckless living. Excuse me. <clears throat> and by definition, prodigal is recklessly extravagant. So there's actually a book called The Prodigal God because he is reckless and extravagant in his love for us. So I thought that was interesting. And another thing I thought, there's a couple of things, but I don't want to get sidetracked. I need to stay focused. That's why I've highlighted things. <laughs> I'm getting there. I've, yeah, I find it interesting that the Lord doesn't call the younger son rebellious. He doesn't actually say he was rebellious in his actions he was this and that or, or the older son was angry and um, offended when they come back Jesus that's how Jesus he doesn't call us how we act I uh, short testimony um, I was struggling with some things last year and I felt the Lord um, I was I, I woke up early in the morning and I felt the Lord say have communion and I went out to the kitchen, had crackers, and I was like, well, there's only red wine here. And I, I used to drink a lot, and I've quit. has been a while now, and I said, oh, okay, Lord, there's red wine. That's the only thing I can have communion. You know, that's pretty funny. You want me to have communion? I have a history of alcohol abuse. And uh, <clears throat> he spoke to me so clearly, and he said, you're not an abuser. You never were. You made poor choices, but... You are not an abuser. And I just went, whoa, that was him speaking directly to me. Something shifted in my heart and I just, I, I felt, uh, it was just another level on, on the ratchet of my journey, clicking me forward. And I was just so blessed by that. And so I, he reminded me reading this story that the Lord didn't call the son rebellious. He said he was prodigal. He called him extravagant and reckless but not rebellious. So that was very interesting. And we know that he, he, he blew his wealth. He, um, he ended up begging a farmer in that country to hire him. The farmer hired him, sent him out to feed the pigs. So the son basically came to the end of himself, humiliated. He finally realised what he was doing and he, and he thought to himself, there are many workers at my father's house who have all the food they want with plenty to spare. They lack nothing. Why, why am I here dying of hunger? I want to go back home to my father's house. So this brother had a slight inkling of who he was. He, he knew who his father was and he knew that if he went back to his father's house, because it's symbolic of our heavenly father, he knew that if he went back that he would be forgiven and restored. And I know that that was a, a symbolic prophetic message for all of us no matter what we go through he is always going to bring us back to himself 
but we can avoid a lot of these cycle and that's what I'm going to get to so the young son went off home and we know that the father celebrated he was so excited to see his son and he he prepared the fatted calf for him and then the older brother came in and he he from a from a long way off he was like what's all this racket you know that and then a servant came out and said oh your, your younger brother's home he's cel they're celebrating over him and we see the older brother's response in verse 25, 27. The servant replied, it's your younger brother. He's returned home and your father is throwing a party to celebrate his homecoming. The older son became hang angry and refused to go in and celebrate. So his father came out and pleaded with him. Come and enjoy the feast. The son said, Father, listen, how many years have I been working like a slave for you, performing every duty you've asked as a faithful son, and I've never once disobeyed you, but you never th threw a party for me because of my faithfulness. So it's like the oldest son wanted to earn, thought he had to earn his father's uh, love, thought he had to earn his position in the family. Don't forget, he had already received a double portion of his inheritance and then he still thought that he had to work to earn the father's love. And after this, the father said, you are always with me by my side. Everything I have is yours to enjoy. And that really threw me and I thought to myself, how, how many times, you know, would I, as a Christian, go around that cycle uh, of rebellion and returning, rebellion and returning? That's just, that, that's myself. I felt like the Lord showed me I had that orphan attitude and I felt like I had to earn my salvation and earn favour with my God. I always saw the Lord as an angry, angry judge sitting on a throne waiting to belt me with a stick if I did anything wrong. But I know that's so not true. I know now it's taken a long time and a lot of work, but so I used to live like both sons. I lived like an offended orphan as opposed to a co-heir in Jesus. Now, how does the Lord see us? How does He call us when we get saved? He calls us in in First Peter. He calls us a royal priesthood and a holy nation. And in Ephesians, he says to us, in Ephesians 1 verse 4, he chose us to be his very own, joining us to himself even before he laid the foundation of the universe. I'm like, this is ridiculous. This is massive. Because of his great love, he ordained us so that we would be seen as holy in his eyes with unstained innocence. I'm like, Lord, I can read all this, but how can I not receive it? How is my heart not able to receive what you're saying about me? This is how you view me, but I can't receive that. Um, when I was first saved, I wanted to preach the world, preach to the world, sorry. I remember being, having such zeal and excitement. I wanted to tell everybody about it. One of my mates got saved. I would have, uh, I was at boarding school and... Um, I remember I wasn't afraid of anything, but pretty soon the world 
took over. It just got heavy and overwhelming. And the lies that I came to believe as a, as a young boy, I'm not... Because the enemy is always looking for an open door. He's always going to try to jam his foot in the door. No matter what upbringing you have, you might be brought up by Mr. and Mrs. Jesus. They might be absolutely pe- perfect parents, but your heart is not Jesus. So you, you're not going to receive everything they have for you as perfect as they want to give it to you. Does that make sense? So you're going to make a vow in your heart sometimes. You're going you're gonna to make a judgment and you're not even going to realise it. Sometimes judgments are unspoken. Sometimes they're just an attitude or a determination. <laughs> I remember that word this morning, in your heart that um, I'm not worthy, I'm not good enough, my voice doesn't matter, um, I am never going to stand up in front of the church and sing and make noise, let alone stand behind a pulpit and preach. I said that. I said those words. I said... I am never going to be a pastor. Do not ever say that again. I've done a lot of repenting over the last four and a half years. So anyway, the world, the world took over. My heart became hardened to the things of God. I, um, I pursued acceptance from man instead of the Lord. And, and um, as I, into my late teens, early 20s, I... I began my craft, which was in earth moving. I became good at my job and I pursued that acceptance from man and I thought, well, well this is my identity. This is, this is where I belong. I remember saying when Sheryl and I were first married, I, I really feel like I've found my niche in life. And so, but with those vows that I made as a young man, I wasn't pursuing the Lord. I was looking at, at, um, at man for approval and for acceptance and excuse me so I started drinking as well Uh, that got very ordinary towards my late 20s and as well as see this addictive behaviour that I had because I was always searching for something I knew what the Lord thought about me I knew here and I knew all the stuff, and I'd heard it all. I'd heard a thousand sermons. I was just talking to somebody two weeks ago, actually, and I said, we could stand here and we could talk about don't fear, don't fear, don't fear the Lord. God didn't give you a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and a sound mind. Um, I, can, I can preach at you for a day and a half, but how long, uh, Darren, <laughs> we, how long do you think it would take? It would be a really awesome message. Um, you'd walk out the door. How long do you think it would take before you started fearing again, even though you left here going, yes, Jesus, I'm never going to fear again. He said, oh, I wouldn't get to the end of the car park. So <laughs> it was like, we know, but it, for, for me, in my journey, I, I didn't know here. So I spent years in the wilderness um, chasing addiction. I had a very unhealthy addiction to porn. That was uh, what I kept hidden in the basement somewhere that nobody, not, not physical, basement of my heart, um, that I never, <laughs> you get me, um, I never dealt with. It was a secret. 
and any secrets are going to come back and bite you. Um, and the enemy loves it when you keep stuff secret because he's like, oh, I've, got a, I've got a foothold in there. And that foothold becomes an established pattern of thought, which we call a stronghold. And then he has access to you. So that's not a very good place to be. I allowed, with, by being secretive, by drinking a lot, I'd numb myself down. I would have those addictions. It led to me being unfaithful to my wife uh, on more than one occasion. And this isn't new news, so don't be alarmed. There's been a massive journey of reconciliation and restoration here, and the Lord's brought us through. My wife and I now have the best. We are... (laughs) We're actually the envy of some people sometimes. And that's the Lord's restoration. That's the Lord's redemption. That's Him. We were vulnerable, but He's done all the hard stuff in restoring us. We were married 27 years this year. So, that's cool. Um, I'm slight, I have a tendency to duck and weave a little bit, don't I? Sherelle was giving me a hard time last week. We were um, driving back. Our daughter left last week. I think that's... um, I think... Yeah, I know. I'm I'm just... I'm not going to say anything. It's okay. She she left to go to Sydney. She is a beautiful, stunning girl. And she's gone over there to do acting for a year. And hi, Eb. She'll be watching later on. And uh, love you, darling. Anyway, we're going home and Sherelle's a little bit, um, bit, she was very sad. I'm like, yeah, yeah, it's terrible, you know, it's hard, we'll get used to it. Um, We'll get over it, time time heals, you know, sadness and then, oh, GDR Tirana. Oh, wow. (laughs) (laughs) So, (laughs) I'm sorry if I digress, I have a bad habit. It's like when we're on... (laughs) It actually, it's what we did. It's what I actually did. I said, I saw that Tirana down at the foreshore. Oh, Ebony, that's right. <laughs> Sorry. Sorry, hun. I know your heart's grieving. Man, those things are worth so much money now. <laughs> uh, it's like having a conversation with me is like um, trying to follow your mates in, I don't know if anyone here, anyone else here rides enduro dirt bikes. You ride through the bush and you're trying to pick up a track and you're lost, but you're going flat out and you're just praying that there's the track's coming back. And, oh, there it is again. Oh, phew. So we, you pick up the line again. Anyway, that's another story. But <laughs> if I don't mention dirt bikes, I haven't finished my message. <laughs> so for me, seriously, I, I, um, I ended up back in the pig trough again about four and a half years ago when Sherelle and I came to the church, came to Paradox. Um, I didn't actually want to come. Sherelle, was, Sherelle and Brad and Kylie had found this place online and we were in, Paradox was in Cronana at the time and I was like, I am not going to Cronana. I'm not going there. That is just too far. There's plenty of churches in Mandra. Offended, offended, offended. Oh, it's too hard. It's too loud. The worship goes too long. So I went twice and 
serious story, but there is so much war, uh, restoration that's happening, I guess we can smile about it now. Um, so she decided to stay, her and I separated, my drinking had just gone to stupid. Um, I was, yeah, so we separated, I was staying at a mate's place and it brought me, like I say, brought me to the pig's trough. I was sitting there one day by myself just going, is this it? Is this the life that you'd hoped for? Your family probably doesn't want to speak to you. Your wife's going to, an, to another church. Um, you're on your own with the seagulls. Awesome. And uh, I had to take a good hard look at myself. And I, I remember seeing Sherelle, because um, I still parked my truck at home, so I would bump into her on occasion. And I remember seeing her, and she looked really good. And I was like, what is going on with you? We're separated and you look better and happier than you've ever looked in your life. And she goes, I'm getting help. I'm, I'm, I've immersed myself in family and community and a community that loves me and support me. And I'm just going, yeah, whatever. My offended heart started complaining again. I, um, she said to me, I don't know if she said these exact words, but she said, helps out there if you want it. But no one is going to help you more than you want to help yourself. And I was like, hmm. <laughs> I knew she was right, though. And I got in touch with a, uh, an old, a friend of mine, a very good friend, um, who I trusted. And he set me on a path to, um, it was like pulling teeth. But I knew I had to do something. He said, we can dance around this mountain all you like. But I was completely offended, completely shut down to the Lord, completely not interested in, in much at all. He was praying 100 miles an hour. I know he was. And there was a lot of other people, including mum. She was probably praying for me. But uh, we, we talked about it. And he said, so what can you give me with regards to your situation you know what's going to change all these things and I said well maybe if I quit drinking and he goes well that's not good enough and I said well, well I'll try to then he goes that ain't good enough either has that worked for you before and I said no I said all right I'll um I'll cut down he goes bulldust <laughs> come on I want something better so all right I'll quit from today on six months and I was nervous I was just like okay I've done this in my head this is, you know, I know I can do this. Done it before, didn't work very well. Um, and I went out of there and I, I was excited because it was a challenge and I like a challenge. But I knew that I was just a little bit nervous and a little bit tentative and I'm just going, oh, what's this going to mean down the track? You know, if I hit a trial, like the man with the house built on the sand, I'm just going to be blown back to, you know, oblivion if I have stress at work or whatever. So I'm thinking all these things. Anyway, I thought, okay, I'm just going to do it. We'll, tr we'll just, I'll give it my best shot. Sherelle and I went through a process. We got back together. She saw a change in me and I was starting to, like, come awake. I remember having a vision, actually, in my mind. I remember, I, I wrote that down and I sent it to my friend. I just, just remembered it now. And I said, I feel like all my, my brain is like one of those big, old, huge, Big Ben clocks. And it's like it's full of spiderwebs and dust and just it hasn't moved for years. And it's just started creaking and turning again. 
just like that. The Lord gave me this prophetic picture. And I was just like, man, that is awesome. And he's going, yep, I know exactly what that is, but you don't realise it yet. So that was so cool. And I hung on to that for a long time. And Shrell and I started talking again, more in depth, more about our future. And we, we reconciled somewhat at that process. And I said, all right, I'll try this paradox. Okay, I'll do the right thing. My plan was, like I said, to sneak in, just like mum did, not get noticed at all. Nobody will see. Nobody will know that she's there. She'll hide up... Sorry, I'll hide up the back and... Sorry? And I'll, I'll go riding every second Sunday. I'm, I'm happy with that. Cheryl's happy with that in the process. And, um, yeah, the Lord had other plans. He's going, the gifts and calling on your life, mate, are irrevocable. That's uh, Romans. Um, and I was... I was still a bit hesitant. Six months came. I think I recommitted for a year. I said, I'm just going to, I'll go a year. I'll go a year. I'm good. I'm solid. I filled my mind with everything else to try and keep me from wanting a drink. And I knew that wasn't sustainable. Anyway, towards that, the end of that year, we started learning a little bit about Elijah House. Um, we, had, we had Elijah House number one at the old building. And yeah, we, we were in the same little group. And I learned about inner vows and I learned about inner healing and, and just a little bit. And I thought, oh, what's all this about? And I remember at the end of one of the sessions, um, we were all in small, small groups. And, and I, said, I said to Alice, she was leading the group at the time, I said, I didn't have a clue what a vow was, what judgments were. I didn't even know what offence meant when I got here. I do now. But, um, so I was like, Alice, is this, is this a vow? And, and she said, what, what's going on? What's the Lord showing you? I said, well, when I was young, I'd had these guys ridicule me and blah, blah, blah. And, and um, I was really, really upset. It was just after I was first saved. I was really upset. And, and I think I felt like I was just never going to share my faith again. And I broke down. And I went, whoa, that's, I don't cry normally. The Lord's doing something there. And it was cool. It was like, Alice is like, bang on, that's a vow, all right. So I repented of that, and that's been the restoration of... That's just an example of what a vow can be. It locked me down for years. I don't know how many years that I wasn't able to share my faith. I was like, hey, mate, how you going? My name's Grant. What would you do on Sunday? Oh, nothing. Crickets. <laughs> so that's just an example of a vow. I repented and said, Lord, forgive me for that. Building the new building the new, building the good stuff. The enemy had an, had, do you see what I mean by the enemy had an open door? He just went, he heard what my, my heart determined and he said, boom, I got you right there. I've been trying to shut you up ever since I knew you, ever since I heard of you getting saved. So he jammed his foot in the door and that became a pattern of thinking that established in my heart and man, it just, it, it hamstrung me at ever sharing my faith. So, good example don't make vows. <laughs> Unless it's to your wife. <laughs> I've really lost my track. So I learned a little bit of um, inner healing. I began to pursue God a little bit more. I remember Brad prayed for me once. Um, I was uh, yeah in the old building. He prayed for me and I just got belted by Holy Spirit. And I just didn't go three rows back. 
but I knew that something had happened and I just went, whoa. Over Christmas, I was like, hey, I want to go to church. I really do want to go and I want to read more and I want to pursue more and I want to find out more. I, wanted, I was just like a sponge. I wanted to absorb everything that came my way and I'm like, man, that was powerful, whatever he did then. And, and I felt like, is it Ephesians? I think it is. Awake, O sleeper, and rise from the dead. I felt like that was happening literally in my spirit. I'm like, I'm waking up here. And Lord, I was beginning to get that excitement back. But I knew Holy Spirit spoke to me one day and he said, okay, we've gone far enough. And there's something else that you need to deal with. Another one of your little secrets. And I was like, come on, Lord, we're going well. I haven't done anything wrong in the last six months, you know. And he goes, no, nah, it's not good enough. We're not going to allow the enemy to have a foothold in your life. We're shutting all the doors. And I'm like, right, oh, this is going to suck. So I, yeah, I went and saw Brad and I said, Brad, I got to, I made, I, I went and saw, yeah, I did. Um, I, I said, mate, I've, um, I did, did the wrong thing again. I was unfaithful to my wife. But I said, just after the last time, I swore I would never tell another person. I would keep it to myself. And he said, well, we're going to break that right now. And so we prayed, I repented, broke that vow off my life. And because that's right, the Lord said, do you want, the Lord said to me, do you want a whole healing or only half a healing? Because if you're not going to go the whole hog, we're just going to keep going around this mountain. So Brad and I prayed. I went home and I was, yeah, we, we started, it was like we started the whole journey all over again, but I knew that I had to just stop and go, Lord, search my heart like David did and don't let there be any wicked way in me. Don't let there be anything that will come between me and you because if there is, I'm wasting my time. And so the Lord... Um, so yeah that began my journey of inner healing um, it taught me then to be vulnerable and like be humble before my leaders my wife and my family like confessing that sort of thing is no easy task and you don't want to be that person um, but you don't want to have these foxes that come back to bite you later on because they will. Because if you do have open doors or areas of your heart that you haven't 100% dealt with, it just keeps... It, it's the law of reaping and sowing. It's what you've reaped in your life in, your, in the past and if you're... If you, it, sorry, it's what you've sowed. If you're sowing secrecy and sin and things like that it, it it always comes back and it's it will increase as well that's one of the laws of God that we can't change Shrell and I now have a marriage that we can only dream about bef that we could only dream about beforehand it's only because of the Lord's kindness uh, it's only only because of the the vulnerability of the two of us 
Um, we both had to be vulnerable in, in most areas. Um, it was very humbling going to the leaders and, and I was still had offence in my heart and I would still try to justify, oh, well, I did this because of this, this and this. And I had to be told quite sternly that I was acting like and had acted like a jerk for most of my marriage. And I was like, man, that's pretty harsh. But I copped it on the chin and I got a list of things that I had to go and clean up and I was told, you have a mess to go and clean up. And I was, it was very humbling, but I wouldn't. James 1 says, count it all joy when you encounter trials. And the Lord put that there for a reason. And if we can grasp that concept we'd be like Lord why would I want to count it all joy if I'm going to go through a trial like that this is the worst pain in my life I've caused pain and heartache for my kids for my wife and my church family as well because I was hiding things and but he says count it all joy and because it's always the process is always unto something it's always unto your restoration. It's always unto reconciliation. Jesus has always got the best in mind for you. He says that he jealously pursues the spirit that he has placed inside you. And it's a weird verse because it's like the Holy Spirit pursues Holy Spirit. But he's placed that spirit in us and he pursues us. From the time I first came to church four and a half years ago, came back to this church, it was quite weird because we had a, a couple coming to this church and they were a beautiful, lovely couple and, and I remember they just dropped everything they wanted to see us before we separated and they prayed with us and I was sitting there with my, all my walls up and I'm like, who is this? They have not pointed at me. They have not said, you've done this, you've done that, you blah, blah, blah. They, they knew that everything was falling apart but they had no not one ounce of condemnation in their heart for us only love and she's I'll, I'll never forget Carol said to Cheryl he just needs to be loved back to life and when Cheryl told me that later on I was like man what a legend who can walk with that kind of compassion and love and that's what we're called to do that's how we're being changed and transformed into the nature of Jesus but we can't do that with all this junk going on in here and here. I feel like... Am I f <laughs> How are you all going? We're not going to sleep? Where's I was just checking on Grandad. He's good. <laughs> we talk a lot about inner healing... And the heart journey here at Paradox, and some people get sick of hearing it, heart journey this, heart journey that. Well, it's for very good reason. It's because only the Lord knows what vows and judgments you made. The Lord created time for a reason, because we're only here for a limited time. We forget our childhood. Sometimes we have no clue what went on, but he knows from the moment of conception what your heart was going through, what your heart determined, what your heart felt. He knows from the moment... He knew us before we were born. He chose us before the foundation of the world. So he knows from 
a dot to now what's going on, what has happened in your heart that has caused you to make expectations or judgments and not be able to receive your heavenly father for who he is. What Excuse me there. Because our earthly father represents our heavenly father. So, like I said before, even if we were raised by Mr. and Mrs. Jesus, it's the way we respond. They, our, our parents do every single thing to the best of their ability, and I never doubt that for a second. But it's how we receive it. We are responsible for how we receive things, how we view the world. How we, how we judge or love. We're the only ones that are responsible for that. You're not, gonna, you're not going to stand before the Lord on behalf of anybody else but yourself. Being a part of this community, we often get poked and prodded and asked a lot of questions. Being assistant co-leading with Jess, you get asked a lot more questions. <laughs> she is. She's awesome. She is an absolute legend. I, she has her own ministry in her own head and I don't even... She has to start writing books because where do all these questions come from? <laughs> How do you feel? Oh, I'm all right. What does that mean? <laughs> I'm all right. No, it's not good enough. <laughs> oh, come on. I said it was all right. I'm sad. No, still not good enough. Come feeling like a weight of something that did something else. But it's awesome. It's so cool. I've gotten in touch with my emotions somewhat over the last year. It's great. It's a great learning curve. And so in this... Sorry, Jess. <laughs> I love you, Jess. You're awesome. You're a gift to us. She absolutely is. And to my daughter as well. Um, so yeah, so we get, we get questioned a lot. We get questioned about our motives, our actions, uh, our, our, our response to things will reveal us. And don't be surprised if... if when you're immersed in this community, you will get asked the hard stuff and it's unto something because somebody can see something that you can't see that you need to see. <laughs> and you might never get that. You might have something on your face and you can't see it, but somebody can say, I can see that. You need to wipe it off, you know, because it's not good. You're, not, you're walking around with this stuff on your face and it stinks. And sometimes I get told that, <laughs> but I'm, okay, Lord, help me to clean that up as well. I'm happy to take encouragement and also uh, feedback and confrontation. I'm more than happy to take that, and especially when it comes from somebody that I trust and love, because I know they want the best for me. And you know it's feedback 
from somebody that you love because it's unto you being a better you, a better version of you. Anyway, that's another whole message, another whole sermon hidden in there somewhere. So you, these questions will reveal us sometimes good, sometimes bad, but in everything the Lord has for us, it, it is a blessing because it's your response that will show us that there are areas in our heart that we still need to work on, that we may still need to refine. But the Lord began the work in us and he will finish it. And he, he won't finish till the day that we go to see him. He'll still be working in our heart. There are still going to be areas in our heart that we still need to work on. And that's where I love it because if I have bad fruit or if I have something that comes up for me I'm like man I don't want the enemy to have a foot in the door show me what that is if somebody can see it show me I don't want it there I don't I, Lord I repent for whatever that is and build in you so I feel like Jesus came to give life and life abundantly and and he came, he called us his sons. Um, I feel like if there are, there are parts of our heart that have got us locked down or, or closed or asleep to him, then, then it is so imperative. And, and like I can't speak highly enough of the heart journey or prayer ministry, which is, by the way, it's a Holy Spirit-led encounter with him, um, if I didn't explain that. So if your heart has any doubt whatsoever, there's something that is keeping you stuck or if there's a lie that you've believed that's keeping you bound. If you're willing to be vulnerable and humble before him, he will change your world because I know he's changed mine. Um, so if you are confused by the question who are you it might reveal something in your heart if if you're confused if you th i i was asked a question a long time ago and i remember there was i i had a lid this is as far as i could think i was asked the question and i really didn't understand it and for me it was like do you want fries with that because <laughs> i who are you what does that mean but i had a lid on who I was, I was, I dig holes for a living, I'm a husband, father, granddad, I'm done, you know, that's, that's me. But in the process of going, Lord, there's more, there's more, you see me as more than just somebody who digs holes for a living. Lord, you see me as, as a son, as a royal priesthood, as a holy nation. I can receive that now because of the healing that I've had. In my heart, I can receive it. We did it. I'm going to just finish with. We did a prophetic um, exercise in Greenhouse a couple of weeks ago. And if we had have done this a few years back, I would have just gone, oh, nice bit of paper here, okay, whatever. Um, but we, we had a blank bit of paper and we stapled it to our partner's back and we walked around the room. We didn't staple it with a staple gun. We just <laughs> pinned it. It's like how to be like Jesus. Chunk. 
Um, but we pinned it to each other's back and we all walked around the room. There was about 25, 25 of us and we said, ask the Lord to give you a word for each person. And, and I, so we, we all walked around, it took about half an hour, 20 minutes, half an hour. And it was so beautiful. If I can encourage anyone in a small group to do this, it is so powerful. I got home and I went, man, that is how my father sees me. And I'm going to read it out to you. And I'm, I can receive this from him. It says, Grant, you're a spiritual father. You bring out the gold in people. You're a lion in the waiting. You're open and you're honest. You're obedient to God and teachable. You have God's heart. It shines with his joy. You're a thinker, abider, hope-filled father figure. You're a dependable friend, bringer of hope, father in the house, discerner, life giver. A few years ago, I'd be like, yeah, what are, what are all these words? And God, now I can go, Lord, I receive this from you. I'm well grounded in you, Lord. I'm a kingdom builder. I'm an example to other guys, dads and lads. You're God's builder. I honour you for your shared journey. I love your authenticity, vulnerability. You're a great role model, evangelist, voice, such a prophetic gifting. I see boldness to share your heart. Man of thunder, <laughs> apostle, equipper, teacher and friend, big thinker. You are a brave man, testimony to the love of Jesus, a pillar in God's house, strong person, stand alongside leader, powerful father, brother. That's who I am. And I feel like that's who the Lord is saying, that's how he sees you. I'm not just saying, I didn't say that for my own benefit, to pat myself on the back. The Lord's pat me on the back. He's walking right here with me. He's got his hands on my shoulders. And I'm not afraid to say who I am because that's who he calls me to be. When I read that at home, I felt like it was his voice. I recognised one person's writing, but everyone, every other, it was Brett's. <laughs> But every other word was spoken from him to my heart. And it went straight in there and I went, Lord, I receive everything that you have for me. I can, I can honestly say that I can receive that from him. He will change your world because I don't have any doubt whatsoever that even if you can't see it for yourself, even if you can't receive it right now, I can see a room full of world changes. I can see a room full of apostles, prophets. I can see a world, room full of testimonies, testimony after testimony, life changes, nation changes. I don't see anything other than that. I see a room full of people that are free to fulfill their destiny in Jesus. I don't see any less than that. I feel, hmm, I feel like, yeah, I, I feel like the Lord has a double inheritance for his sons. There was the orphan son in the, in, the, in the story, but I feel like he has a double inheritance. And I feel like that double inheritance might come with a process, but it's going to come with an unto. That is unto something that you would never have imagined in your life. And you might be sitting there like I did. And you might not be open to anything that the Lord is saying, but he has a, 
he has a gift and a calling on your life. Everyone here, he has a gift and a calling on your life that is irrevocable. That's his word and it's true. It's not just true. There's a difference between true and truth, but his word is truth. He has a gift and a calling on your life. There are testimonies that will change the world you live in. It will change this nation. There are... There is a, an apostolic and a prophetic gifting on everyone, everyone that I can see in this room. And I feel like the Lord wants to increase the blessing and the inheritance on your life to something that you, have, you could not imagine. I walk now with a joy in my heart that I never thought I would ever experience. I just sit there and go, nothing's changed in my world. My world has changed. And it's right at your very fingertips if, if you are willing to receive it. I just, I can't say that enough. I just, um, I just want to close with saying bless, bless you. Um, bless your journey. Bless the process. Um, Bless the trials because they're unto something and they are unto something beautiful. Amen. You can stay and pray. We're going to pray for you just because we love to, uh, we just want to, hammer in the Word of God deeper, as deep as it needs to go, so that it stays. But why don't you stand? Thank you, Jesus. Father, we just thank you for this Word, Lord, that you've put on Grant's heart, Lord, and, and brought to us, God. And Father, there, there is the call upon our life, Lord, our, our greatest calling, the greatest commandment, our greatest privilege is to love you, Jesus, with all that we are. That's what you call us to, Lord. But Father, your word also says that uh, we love because we've been loved, Lord. You first loved us, God. And sometimes, Lord, that's the hardest thing for us to do is to receive your love, God, to see ourselves the way that you see us fully redeemed, fully restored, made new, made whole, God, that you see the end, Lord. You see the finish line. You see the completion, God. And yet you are so intimately involved in the process. When we stumble and fall and you lift us back up again, Lord, you're so intimately involved, Lord. You don't diminish us, Lord, when we're struggling. You don't put us down. You call us up. You call us higher. You call us forth. He said, it's okay, son. It's okay, daughter. I'm with you. We're going to get through this. Even as your word says, Father, that we are to work out our salvation with fear and trembling. Why? Because it is you who works in us to will and to work for your good pleasure. So, Father, you are not waving a stick at us, Lord. You are not pointing the finger, God. You are delighting in the process of bringing us into the full measure of sonship. 
So God, when we stumble and fall and you shine a light and we re realize, wow, there's sin in my heart and, and I've been blind to these areas and you're not mad, God. You're delighting. You're rejoicing. You're happy. You're like, yes, I'm, I'm, I'm revealing to you so that we can heal you. The revealing is for the healing. Father, we say the revealing is for the healing, Lord. So we thank you, God, that when we're revealed, Lord, it is for the purpose so that we might be healed, God. As Grant has shared in his testimony, Lord, there's times where he was revealed, God, where he was laid bare, Lord. It wasn't for his shame. It was for his healing, God. But God, we trust the process that you have us on, Jesus. Whether we feel like we are in a low valley, even the valley of the shadow of death at the moment, Lord, or maybe we're feeling like we're up on a mountaintop, God, that you never leave us or forsake us in any part of that journey, Lord. And tomorrow, if, if we stumble and we fall down the hill into that deep valley, God, you're there with us, Lord. Nothing can separate us from your love. But why don't you put your hand on your heart? And we're just going to pray. I'm just going to speak and bless your heart. Just bless your heart in Jesus' name with life and fullness. And I just speak to your heart and I say, come awake to the Lord Jesus. Come awake now. We thank you for your anointing Holy Spirit to awaken hearts, Lord. To awaken hearts this morning, God. Because, Father, denial does not get us anywhere. Hiding from our hearts does not get us anywhere, Lord. And so, Father, where we have shut down our hearts, Lord, we repent for shutting down our emotions, for shutting down our hearts, God, for hiding from our feelings, Lord, for hiding from ourselves, God. And we ask, Lord, that you heal those wounded areas, God. Even from those areas of childhood, Lord, where we were maybe shut down by parental or authority figures in our life or even peers, Lord, where it just wasn't right or it wasn't safe to be vulnerable. But I thank you, Jesus, you're bringing us into safety, Lord, that you make a safe space for our hearts, Lord, that our hearts are safe with you. Our hearts are safe with you, Father. Our hearts are safe with you. Why don't you just say to yourself, my heart is safe with Jesus. My heart is safe with Jesus. And Father, I just call people's spirits to awaken this, Lord. Come awake, come awake. Come out of slumber. Come out of captivity. Father, we break and the chains of captivity, Lord, that have kept people spiritually bound, Lord. Not awaken to your presence in your kingdom, Lord. Thank you, Lord. You search us out, God. You are on a relentless and endless pursuit for us. And Father, I know that I can run away sometimes and I can run fast, but I'm so glad that you can run faster, Jesus, because you catch me every time. <laughs> Even when we run, you catch us, Lord. You're so good. You're so good. And I just pray, Holy Spirit, you just pour out your presence on everyone, Lord, every heart here this morning, Lord. Thank you, Father. We thank you, Lord, for that, the calling forth of identity, Lord. That, Father, we would be able to receive your love, God. Even where areas that we have judged you, Father, God, we repent for our judgment against you, Lord, that you're not a good Father. 
that you're not faithful to us, Lord, that you're going to let us down, or maybe that we feel like you can't be trusted, Lord. We, we repent for our judgment against you, Jesus. But Father, we pray for a grace to receive just how loved we are by you, Lord. And who we are, Lord. That we would know who we are and whose we are. That we belong to you, Jesus. That we are your treasured possession, Jesus. But Lord, sometimes we need your power just to sink that into our hearts, Lord. That you would build a shelf in our hearts for that truth to sit on, Lord. Because what does anything else matter when we're loved by you, Jesus? And we pray, Father, just for an awakening of identity this morning, Lord. That you'd awaken our identity, Lord, and our destiny. Because that's what fathers do. That's what fathers do. Fathers awaken identity and destiny in their children. So we thank you, Father God, that you'll do that right now, Lord. You will awaken identity and destiny and dominion, Lord. That you'll show us, Father, who we are, God. You'll show us where we're going, Father. And you'll show us the portion that you've put before us for where we can rule and reign with you, Jesus. To take dominion, God. To bring your kingdom, Jesus. And Father, we pray just a special blessing over the men from Shalom House this morning, God. We thank you, Lord, that you are bringing healing to their lives, Father. And we just come in agreement and we say yes, Holy Spirit, to what you're doing in their lives, Father. We say yes to the deposit of breakthrough that was released this morning, God. And we say yes, Lord. And we come in agreement. We say yes and amen to the, to the identity that you're drawing out of them God for the destiny that you're calling them into Father we just pray Father for a shift today Lord for a shift today God and Father I pray even now Lord if there's anyone here that at this moment has not given their life over to you, Jesus. I pray, Holy Spirit, that you would come and you would reveal the Spirit of Christ, that you would reveal Jesus to them, Lord, and give them that opportunity to say, I want you, Jesus. I want to follow you, Jesus. And why don't you pray with me? All you got to say is, Jesus, I choose to follow you. I've gone my own way and it has not worked out. But I choose today to follow you, Jesus. And I ask that you would come and fill me with your spirit, that I might be born again so that I can see your kingdom and I can see you, King Jesus. Thank you, Father. We bless you, Lord. We bless you, Lord. And we thank you for what you're doing, for what you'll continue to do. And we just continue to say yes to you, Jesus, because you are so good. Thank you, Lord. Amen. Amen. Bless you, bless you, bless you. We have a ministry team. would love to pray for anyone, but uh, maybe if you just want to come forward, fill up this area around the table. And, uh, and if, if you're not after some prayer, you're welcome just to head out here outside. Here we've got sausage sizzle outside and food in here and drinks and all that sort of stuff. So bless you. Thank you so much. Special thanks to the Shalom House. Fellas, for coming. So glad you could be with us. Awesome. I love you guys. We'll see you soon. Don't forget men's night, Thursday night.